I don't give the recipe. They have to look for the recipes. And I like to force them to think and to find the solutions a lot of times. It's a process where we make a lot of more mistakes, especially in the beginning, and then we're growing. I really believe that the normal way to improve the teams, we can say this align like this, okay? But we go a little bit more like this, more flat, more flat. But then when we are learning, we can go higher. Why? Because at the end, players learn to play basketball. Don't learn to play a play. Hi, I'm Dan Krikorian. And I'm Patrick Carney. And welcome to Slapping Glass, exploring basketball's best ideas, strategies, and coaches from around the world. Today, we're excited to welcome Alba Berlin head coach, Israel Gonzalez. Coach Gonzalez is here today to discuss building an offensive system that improves throughout the season, alternate ways to play through late shot clock situations, and we talk next defense and skill acquisition during the always fun start, sub, or sit. Coaches, one of the best ways to help support what we do is by becoming a member of SG+. We now have coaches and staffs from over 40 different countries who are happy to call members, and they get access to SGTV's over 500 detailed breakdown video library by both ourselves and coaches like Stan Van Gundy, Ryan Pannone, Martin Schiller, Josh Schertz, and many more, as well as the weekly deep dive newsletter, access to a private coaching community, and much more. For more information, email us at info at slappingglass.com or visit slappingglass.com to sign up today. Thanks for the support. And now, please enjoy our conversation with Coach Israel Gonzalez. Coach, we want to dive right in to discuss a little bit. It's preseason right now, and everybody's working on building their offense, putting in the building blocks for the season. And we want to just dive in with you on your thoughts on how you go about doing that, you know, implementing the things early that ultimately you'll build on throughout the season as it goes. First of all, I explained you the situation of my team. We didn't change a lot the team this year. We only lose one player, Oscar da Silva, that he goes to Barcelona. We signed for him Yannick Wetzel, that is a big man. We have an extra player this season, Gabriele Prochida. So we didn't change a lot the team. So most of the world, the players know. The situation is that we don't have to teach a lot of new things. So it's more remembering, more repeating. And it's not a lot of new things, so we can go a little bit faster than, uh, for example, last year. We have a lot of more new players, and it was my first year with the team. It's true that I come from being the assistant coach before. I was the last uh, four years, so I have a line that uh, continue with the line that we worked with Coach Aito before. So it wasn't a lot of new things. Right now, what we are doing is to remember our principles, to focus on our principles, remember some basic plays, not the, the special plays yet, because we have to study a little bit better the new incomings. And I want to see the team and I want to see against who we play. So we are doing only the basics. And my idea to build the team is, like always, I make a presentation, generally speaking, about everything. 
in global. And then once that I feel that they understand what is the goal of everything, I used to go part by part, working the details of every part of the things. And then I like to go in global again to fix everything together. And then I always try to make some situation complicating the lives to the players to don't give the recipe and try to make a little bit more difficult than normal. This is more or less how we are doing. And I forgot to tell you maybe the first step that is the most important one, that is to explore. I mean, to look what they do, the tendency in order to adapt the team in the things that I'm exploring and I'm watching. And, and let's see where I can arrive in this situation or in the other situation and which is better for one player or for other. And, and this is how more or less uh, we are doing the things. Coach, when you're doing this exploring, is it through, I mean, I'm sure it's a mixture of both, but I guess what are you weighing more? Is it individual workouts? Is it maybe small games, three on three, putting them in situations or five on five that you'll just kind of watch and learn from your players and their tendencies? First of all, is with the knowledge of the, the ability of the players. Sometimes, especially with the new players, you have to do with the video and the things that you see in the games of the last year. But I like to start the, the season with a very few tactical things. Like this, I just let them just play with some very few rules. And like this, I can see the tendency, for example, this year, of course, a little bit more to Gabriele Prochi than Janik Betzel, how they are reacting in, in different situations. So we start the first two seasons with um, just a very basic rules of a free game. And then I realized about uh, oh, Gabriele, when he comes from the screen, he likes to call or he likes to fade or he likes to put the ball immediately in the floor or whatever. And then I'm trying sometimes to correct this, this habit that I think are not good for the team. And sometimes I just try to take advantage of this situation in putting in the, in the game or sometimes uh, this is the help to look for a special place in some moments that we needed the extra point or whatever. And this is the idea, to explore, to know what the players can give to you and after try to adapt and to put in our system. And Coach, you mentioned when you're exploring that you really just will give them basic rules of the free game. Could you just elaborate on what are some of these, the basic rules that you put in and then just allow them to play? I like a lot, don't stop the ball in the middle of the court. I always like to see my teams changing the ball from one side to the other side. And then I try to explain them that we dribble just to penetrate. We don't dribble to pass. In some situations, we can dribble to improve our passing lane, especially if we want to play low post. And I give them the basics of how to play the handoff, how to play the pick and roll, and how to play when the ball goes inside. And with these few rules, I let them play. And I'm watching what they do. I'm exploring. And then we can fix better in the place that we are going to use during the season. Coach, handoffs are kind of our thing. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, in these early stages, you're teaching them to play the handoff. I guess, what are you stressing or what are you emphasizing so they can execute the handoff? We emphasize a lot in, in the reading, reading what the defense gives to us and try to react as better as we can when, I don't know, they pass under the trial, the big man is sagging, the big man is helping a little. This is one point. Other point is 
to play different situations depending on the player. You know, Luke Sigma is going to play the handoff much better than Chris Kumanje, for example. So he's going to have better decisions and we can be more aggressive in, in this one too. Maybe with other players, he has to be more conservative and just play the handoff. One thing that I like a lot in the handoff is that we refuse to play the handoff. We go on to the basket. We don't stop. We don't try to get the ball yes or yes because that's a, this is a way to have more turnovers and this is one of the targets of this year to reduce the turnovers. So <laughs> we teach all the situations that we can find that the defense can do it. And we try to repeat a lot of times, repeating with uh, just talking about technique and repeating, talking about the reading. We are a team that try to avoid to play many pick and roll situations. We like to play more free game, moving without the ball. Sometimes we change pick and roll situations for handoff situations. We try to put the ball inside to reverse the ball to one side, to the other side. And we are a team that uh, we are trying to play every time less with pick and roll. Coach, if I could follow up on that for Pat and I watching your team play, we know that you play less pick and rolls, more handoffs and like I said, free game and post-ups and whatnot. Is that difficult for players at times coming to play in your system, to teach them to play more through handoffs and post-ups and less through pick-and-rolls? I don't think it's because we play less pick-and-rolls or more handoffs. It's uh, more because we are a team with a lot of freedom in our game, in our style of playing. So the players has to learn to read the situations, to read what the, defending, what the defense gives to us and what we are able to do in, with the, our teammates. For example, last year we have new players like Jalen Smith and Tamil Blatt and Sussman, that they had some problems at the beginning of the season to adapt because they had the habit in the other teams to run the plays. And the play has to be like this, and they have to rest to one situation where they have to play, for example, one pick and roll in the side. No, We don't play like this. We don't execute plays. The plays are not important for us. The important is the ideas. And the ideas is the way to play the different concepts that we can teach them. So at the beginning, normally, they have some difficulties. But after that, when they adapt, everybody likes. This is one good thing because I think players prefer to play and decide what they have to do in every moment than just to execute a move. But of course, it's more difficult because there is more things that they have to consider. Coach, if I could just go back real fast. You talked about the three things, the handoff, the pick and roll play and the post play early on, especially teaching those three main things. How are you repping or giving them ways to learn those three things? Is it through drill work? Is it three on three? How are you putting those things in early in the season to help them grow? Well, the first thing that I do is explain everything. <laughs> and I know that there is a lot of information. For example, when we play the ball inside, I explain which spacing I want, how we want to move, when we have to move, when we have to cut, when we have to fill the other space. Depends on what the defense is doing. I explain normally everything. After that, I let them play. They are going to do mistakes for sure. And this is the moment where I can explore as well. And after, I work uh, by pieces. First two on two with all the options, two on zero with all the options, then three on zero with all the options, four on zero with all the options. And I believe like this. And then I used to do the same in two on two and three on three with uh, defense. And after, I come back to play five on five with defense. And we try to go like this. And it's a process, no? You go global, parts, global, parts, global, parts. And like this, there is the way they can learn to read how to play in different situations. Coach, 
I'd like to come back to what you said previously. And what we obviously noticed too, is that you're not a set heavy team. You play, like you said, through ideas. And what we appreciate about your team though, is the ability to flow to the next idea or re-trigger the offense, where if the first concept or the first action isn't there, your ability of your team to re-space and get to another action. And I think that's a hard thing for coaches to teach and to get their team to do. So I would just really be interested to hear like how you help your team get to the next idea or the re-trigger their offense. Good question. Probably having the habit since the beginning to don't have the recipe. I don't give the recipe. They have to look for the recipes. And I like to force them to think and to find the solutions a lot of times. So I think this is a process where it's more difficult, where it's a process where we make a lot of more mistakes, especially in the beginning, and then we're growing. I do like this because I really believe that the normal way to improve the teams, we can say this align like this, okay? But we go a little bit more like this, more flat, more flat, but then when we are learning, we can go higher. Why? Because at the end, Players learn to play basketball, don't learn to play a play. And that's why I think like this, they become better players because they know to read better the game and understand better the game. And if they get better, at the end, the team is better and the performance is better. That's why we start the season last year, not very good, but we finish great. And it's not only this year, but I'm taking advantage of the work that we have done last five years with four years with Coach Aito that we follow the same ideas that we are doing now and players with a background that they have is a little bit easier, especially when you have a leader like Luke Sigma that he understands this final game very, very well where he is with us since the beginning. So every time we are teaching the new players and we are adding new players. And, and I think the, the secret is that they like to play, they like to find a way to do the things and that's why we are able to enjoy the things that we are doing and to improve. That is the, the key idea. Coach, during those early season struggles when the guys are learning to play, do you find yourself correcting or harping on find our spacing or get the ball to a spot, the post, the elbow, and then we'll know what to do or get to an action, like get to a handoff then? You know, I guess where do you find yourself repeating as your team's struggling to build just these habits? We try to teach the players, to correct the players. And of course, one of the best ways is working every idea separate. And after we try to implement all the ideas together. Of course, there is mistakes when we are a team that we are not using a lot the scouting, but we are a team that believe and work a lot with the post game. This is one of the ways that we do the things because in Euroleague, there is games every two days. We don't have a lot of time to, to practice, so the video is very important. And for us, the main important video is the post-game, where we work during the week with the good things that we are able to do, with the things that we improve, with the things that we need to improve, with the, the mistakes. And we are working during all the weeks with the help of the video, and this is very important for us. And I think by this, the players improve a lot. Coach? I'd love to ask you about five on five versus smaller games, three on three, four on four, and your use of five on five, how much you like to use it versus maybe you don't like to use it during the season, as well as maybe the smaller games to teach these concepts, but also then to just kind of have great competition and practice. I like to play five on five as well. 
not too much because we don't have a lot of opportunities. Sometimes we are practicing between games, so we cannot do a lot of 5-on-5, but I think it's an important part of the practice to do 5-on-5 as well. But I don't say that we compete in this 5-on-5 every time. We try to do our best thing doing this 5-on-5, but we use the 5-on-5 to teach and to learn. Because sometimes I, with some coaches that I have been, when we play 5-on-5 and there is a, one of the assistant coaches referring the practice and at the end, they are more worried about the competition to win these small games than to improve and to learn. So we do 5-on-5, five five, but then we don't count the points. We don't play with a lot of competition. We just try 5-on-5, five five, transition, or two transitions, or three possessions, but uh, with the idea to do our best, but not competing, just thinking in the competition. Coach, that philosophy of the 5-on-5 five five being more of a teaching area of the game and less competition, is that something that you've always done in your coaching career? Is it something that you've kind of worked towards as you've gotten deeper into your career? I can say I always done like this because I only had one year of uh, coaching experience. <laughs> this is what I did last year. But no, it's not true because when I was coaching with um, when I was young and I coached uh, with the juniors, uh, when I coached second division, I was uh, six months coaching in second division. It's a thing that I learned that when I do competition, let's play la- a little game uh, to seven points, to eight points. At the end, the practice is just mm, to win and to don't do the details in the good way. So with this experience, plus the experience that I get these years, I prefer to, of course, the players want to score, wants to make good defense, but the main goal is not to win the other team, it's to learn and to do the things right. Coach, another part of your offense that we wanted to discuss with you is how you you and teach players to keep playing through, say, the last eight, seven, six seconds on the shot clock. So when the clock is winding down, instead of always, say, pulling the ball out to a high on-ball screen and playing a middle pick and roll, but just to keep playing through whatever concepts, is that something that you talk about to just keep playing late in the shot clock with your guys, or is that something that emerges? In these situations, players uh, normally used to like to stop the game and play pick and roll. This is what almost all the teams are doing, no? We sometimes do like this as well, but to keep moving the ball. In seven seconds, you can do a lot of things. You can put the ball inside, you can reverse the ball, you can play one side, other side. And the last seconds of the possession, the other teams can make mistakes because uh, they can be tired, because there is a lot of things during the, the defense. So we try to don't stop the ball if it is possible. Of course, it's not always possible, but uh, we do more things than not wait and pace and, and play pick and roll in the middle. And I think you realize some games, we, we reverse the ball a lot of times from one side to the side because we don't want to stop the ball. We're excited to partner with one of our favorite new analytics platforms, Hoopsalytics, a high-powered, affordable, an easy-to-use video and analytics system for coaches of all levels at a fraction of the price of some of the other platforms available. Unlike other systems, Hoopsalytics lets you create fully customizable events and sets and analyzes them for you through video link stats, interactive shot charts, and other tools. Zero programming is required. For a free trial and to receive a 25% discount on the product, visit hoopsalytics.com dot com slash glass that's hoopsalytics.com slash glass and now back to our conversation coach we want to move to a segment now we call start sub or sit so 
what we'll do is we're going to give you three different basketball topics. We'll ask you to start one, sub one, sit one. Pat, if you're ready, you can dive in on this first one. All right, coach. Our first question for you has to do with your pick and roll defense, specifically the next pick and roll defense and the next rotation. So we call this question tough to teach. So what would be the toughest teaching point within this defense? And your three options are, or your start subsit options are the next rotation or the help from the next defender, the on-ball player peeling off when the rotation comes, or the third one is the low man, kind of the second help rotation, his decision on keeping the ball out of the corner and kind of funneling the ball back to the middle. For me, the guys in the corner is uh, the most difficult position to teach, especially if we are going to defense next. They have to control a lot of things. They have to, first of all, to understand the situation, to communicate to the rest of the team that the ball is going to his side, no? And the communication with the next guy is very important to call the next and also has to make a rotation and also has to keep watching his men in the corner which is possible that he make backdoor. So there is a lot of things that he has to control. And this is the most difficult situation to teach and to do it. It's not uh, it's very easy to teach, but it's not very easy to do. But uh, a lot of coaches are asking me about the defense next and so on. And, and I always told them that the most important thing is, first of all, to have a very good one-on-one defense in order to be able to defense the free side if the offense player want to reject the screen. This is the most important for me. Second thing is to play with a good positions, with a normal good positions, not talking about next, to have a good positions. And the third thing is to be able to play what we call more or less one meter. I mean, from my good position, from my good triangle, I can leave this good position for one second in order to have another good position. Normally, this is what we call, or the coaches call normally, a fake and recover, and to have uh, this situation. And we practice this a lot, like this, when someone penetrates, I help, I recover, but someone else, for example, the guy in the corner, has to be helping and recover at the same time. This is the basic, this is the ABC. Press the ball, one-on-one, B is, is good triangles. C is to be able to play with more or less one meter for this helps. So when we play the next, we are not doing another thing that exaggerates this more or less one meter. When we play next, maybe is a more or less two meters and a half or three meters. And the other guy who has to help me has to do the same. Not only fake and recover for one meter, it's fake and recover for two or three meters. So if we teach the players to play very good uh, this basic things A, B, C, to play the next is easier because sometimes coaches has got the tendency to complicate a lot and we try to keep it simple and to know, hey, we have to play this more or less one meter, exaggerating. And this is how we try to do it because I saw some other coaches, I think it was Gonzalo here calling next, hot, whatever, stand, and we don't do so complicated, we do very simple, but because we focus a lot in the ABC. Coach. Thank you for sharing that. My question is with the one meter at the beginning, again, kind of what are the errors the players are making? You know, what's the, I guess the timing, is it important? Is it better to be too early than late or is it better to be late than early? I guess, what are you working on within those one meters? I always say that it's better too late, but fast than not early and slow. (laughs) (laughs) This is the first thing. 
well, mistake there is a lot because the offense players are reading as well our defense and they play back doors, anti nets, uh, screens in the corner, or whatever. They do a lot of things, and we have to be able to read and to learn to, to read all of these things. And there is a lot of decision in a few seconds. That's why we are not looking always for the perfection. We understand that we cannot do perfect every time, but always we can do with a high activity. And sometimes the activity helps you to hide some little mistakes. So I prefer teams that they try to do with full intensity than not just to do technique and then uh, point, oh, you have to do here the best rotation. Uh, uh, I didn't know. I prefer players who play with much more activity, pressing the ball, doing the ABC correctly. The AFG is uh, another situation. Coach, if I can ask about maybe those FG situations. You mentioned the corner guy and his responsibility. If we go back to the next defense, is kind of the hardest to teach. And you mentioned cutting. And so you'll see a lot of teams, they'll cut that baseline guy when they know teams are nexting. What is then his responsibility with obviously helping his teammate, but also managing that cut? Well, the first thing is to don't be more than quarter second without watching your man in the corner, which is difficult because when we call next and I am in the corner, I'm not helping toward the basket. I'm helping toward my teammate in order to be able to push him to go to the next because he knows that I'm behind to help his man. And I leave my man a little bit open in the corner. And it's anti-natural movement because I'm going forward, but my man is still in the corner. So I have to put the position of my body where I can still watch the corner guy and the guy that I want to help. In order when he cuts and plays this anti-next, we want to communicate and call quickly, immediately, hey, there is no more next and you have to come back and recover your own men and I follow my men. And this is probably the, one of the most difficult situations. But if we play pressing the, the ball very good, if we play a good fake of 2-1 in the pick and roll, not sagging, we don't sag, in, even we are going to play next. In order to make personal difficulty uh, to the ball handle when he played this pick and roll, I mean, playing with this activity, we will have much less problems. Great stuff. Coach, thanks for sharing all that. We'll move on to our next start-sub-sit question for you. And so this has to do with players acquiring skills. You know, I know that you spend a lot of time on performance and player development. And so these are three different ways that players can develop their individual skills. So your start would be your favorite or you think is the best way to do it. So start, sub, or sit, skill acquisition through repetition of a skill, through competition, so them actually competing, trying to learn it, or through exploration, trying out new things in order to develop. Well, good question. I think they always have to repeat a lot, but of course, there is decision-making that they have to learn to do it. And I think the most important thing is the decision-making. It's true that if you decide very well, but you don't know how to do it, it doesn't work as well. So I explain you how we do in Alba. We have developed coaching, Carlos Fradi, and he's got some assistant to practice. And we do one hour before practice. We, he starts to practicing with the players, especially with the young players. With professional players, it's mandatory to do some drills with the assistant coaches and the developed coach. Some drills is a, a kind of voluntary where they can speak what uh, they need to improve, what they have to do it, and they are practicing 30 minutes before the real practice. And also they have to do every time 30 minutes after practice. 
So we try to repeat a lot, but also we repeat the, the situations at least having a couple of decisions, A or B. Sometimes we can do more, but uh, we try to make them decide what is the best option. Probably before we are teaching just the technique, for example, when they come in off the screens and they call, we practice the, the technique of how we call. Then we practice the technique how we fade. We practice the technique how we stay behind the screen to shoot or to pass to the big man if they help. But after to feel that they know the technique, we start to practice all the time uh, reading. There is a coach or other player following or trialing or passing under or whatever, and they have to read. And I think to read the situations is the key to improve. Coach, I know Alba Berlin and yourself, you guys are known that you've played young talent. Also, you compete clearly at the highest level in EuroLeague and in the Bundesliga where it's super competitive. As a coach with these young talents, incorporating, giving them minutes in such important games at such a competitive level, how did you get to that spot? A lot of coaches aren't willing to play younger guys and let them make mistakes or learn through such top-level competition. First of all, we are very proud of this because it's not only we had in some games last two years five German players playing at the same time in EuroLeague, highest competition of Europe. Not only this, it's because there were five Berliner players playing in EuroLeague maximum level. It's not a team. Real Madrid hasn't got five guys from Madrid, born in Madrid, to play. So this makes us very proud to be able to do this. We are able to do this, first of all, because we have a very good young program, because we take care of to progress the players. That's why we invest in a lot of times in individual practices, with the individual coach, with the assistant of the individual coach, with the assistant of the first team, with individual work with the players. Because we don't have the stress to win the EuroLeague. We know where we are. We know that the, our budget is low. So we have to be a little bit different. We have to build our players in order to kind of spend a little bit more money in other players. You know, But at the same time, we fill the roster with our young players then it's a little bit easier than other teams that has got more pressure to put the players. And we try to always put a new player in the games, little by little, uh, always trying to be in the perfect situation where we are not never sure, but we can guess that it's going to be successful for the player, for the young player. It's very important that the young players, the first game, is just to play because they are very nervous and it's very exciting and so on. This is not, we don't count this, but we try to make them play not only in the last three minutes when we are winning by 20 or we are losing by 20. We like to play them, for example, in the second quarter and always in a situation that we think because the team is very good in this moment, because the other team are weak in that position or whatever. And we try to make them play in this important moment, trying to be as close as 100% sure that he's going to be successful. Because the confidence in the young players is a big difference. If we are able to make them confidence, because almost all the players that are in Alba Berlin in the junior program, first year of senior, are able to play. But if you don't have minutes, if you don't have confidence, it's difficult. It's difficult to show up what uh, you are able to do. And we try to create the atmosphere, the environment to that the players are able to go in the court and try to do things, not just to be there. 
Coach, you're off the start, sub, sit, hot seat. So thanks for playing that game with us. That was a lot of fun. We've got one more question for you before we're done. Thank you very much for your yeah. time today. This was really fun for us. So thank you. I think you do you too. To speak basketball is always nice. Coach, our last question that we ask all the guests on the show is, what's one of the best investments that you've made in your career as a coach? Time to spend a lot of time coaching, watching, going to clinics, watching games, to spend a lot of time in this. If you want to reach the goal to be just a coach, you have to invest a lot of time to yourself and everything. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please make sure to visit slappingglass.com for more information on the free newsletter, Slapping Glass Plus, and much more. Have a great week coaching, and we'll see you next time on Slapping Glass. Oh, do we have a name yet for this thing? I have like slapping backboard. <laughs> slapping glass. <laughs> slapping glass. That's kind of funny. I like that. Let's roll. <laughs> slapping glass.